Hello everybody and welcome back to Over the Bridge podcast, season 3 episode 4, it's good to be back in the studio. Um, today we're joined by Danina Dofo from Ancestral Voices um, and yeah we're going to get talking about a little bit about um, the supernatural and um, yeah, <laughs> uh, spirituality and, and just kind of getting to grips with or at least trying to start a conversation about um, things that are um, yeah, sort of outside of you know what we mm. consider to be um, you know natural in a very kind of um, in a human sense, um, but just sort of understanding um, where our um, beliefs in the supernatural stem from, whether we even believe in the supernatural, um, and sort of touching on um, spirituality as well. So um, yeah, I'm joined today by. The ever cheerful Bilal. What's going on, man? I don't know how sarcastic it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. No, no, he's good. And Kweku, what's yeah. going on, man? How you doing? Man? I'm good, bro. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to this episode, man. This yeah. is going to be interesting. Yeah, and um, myself, P-Money, Patrick. Um, so, yeah, this this um, the idea for this episode basically came from... Uh, we had like a random... We always have random chats, as I'm sure you lot know by now. Um, but we were all sort of, uh, we were chilling. Uh, where were we? Um, BFI, was it? Yeah. We went for a little brunch at the BFI um, and we met to actually discuss um, what we should be covering the season, what guests we want to get on, blah, blah, blah. Um, but before we even got down to business, somehow we just started talking about, yeah, the supernatural mm. and things that have happened in our lives that, you know, I guess science can't really explain um, and like sort of where our beliefs sort of stem from and stuff mm. like that. Um, and it was a really interesting chat. So we thought, look, let's let's actually, you know, get this get this on the on the podcast mm-hmm. on wax. So yeah, man. Um how should we start then? Kweku, I man. think I think I think um let's firstly get Danny to introduce himself. Yeah. So Dan, Danny, in your own words, uh, how would you describe yourself and what you do? Okay. Yeah. Um hello everyone. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh basically, my name is Dalian Adolfo. Um I'm a co-director for a series of learning resources called Ancestral Voices. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a platform that I created with my, my wife, um, Verona. And um, the main reason for being with Ancestral Voices is to break a certain colonial stigma that has been associated with what we can term African spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, because this, this is a, a kind of negative projection of what, the spiritual philosophies and practices of African people have been deemed to be, mm-hmm. right? And um, this assault, if you will, continues through various forms, you know, mainly through uh, media, mm-hmm. um, where you have all representations of um, African spiritual practices as being associated with negativity, mm-hmm. evil, the devil, mm-hmm. you know, all these other kind of weird and warped fantasies um, mm-hmm. that actually do not exist within the African um perspective, if you will. Mm. Okay. Um, in that sense, it's, it's distorted the way people understand what African spirituality is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to a large degree also, it's also a reflection of um, anti-blackness mm. because that's what it is. This idea that Africans don't have anything of value to contribute to mm. be a world history, philosophy, mm. um, you know, sociology, all the rest mm-hmm. of it. So we set up ancestral voices to break down the stigma or, you know, to, to put out more accurate representations of African spirituality mm. so people can get a better 
and more accurate understanding of it. Right. So that's what we uh, I am and what we do. So it's, it's called Ancestral Voices. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess that um, obviously alludes to the importance of um, the, like our ancestors in in um, African spirituality. That's right. Um, so do you want to talk to us a little bit more about that? Um, mm-hmm. so you could expand a little bit. Yeah, sure. So the 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 idea came to myself and my wife um, via conversations, you mm. know, exactly mm. as you said, because mm. through conversations, a lot of things can come to light. Mm. And uh, my background, you know, I was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I left Catholicism when I was about 19. Mm. I kind of was a student of Islam for like a year. Mm. Um, didn't, I realized it was just a basically a rehashing of Christianity, you know. Um, there was nothing in it for me personally. Mm. So I went a bit more into Buddhism. Mm. And in Buddhism, um, I was introduced to the, what they call the um, Eightfold Path of the Buddha. Mm-hmm. These are like principles that Buddhists should adhere to. Mm. But each of those principles, I realized that they they had, or they were pretty much similar expressions of African proverbs. You right. know, so I came to quickly realize that my whole search through all these religions, what I was looking for was actually in the African understanding. Mm. So the challenge for me became... I should study it in more depth mm. and to actually get to grips with what exactly it, it encapsulates, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife also, her background comes from the kind of new age movement. So she was studying the kind of new age spirituality for a while mm. and also came to the same realization. Mm. So in our conversation, we realized that there's an absence of true reflection of African spirituality in academia, in society, you name it, the whole pantheon of um, what we call our our society, if you will. So we decided to put our skills together. She has a video production background. Mm. I have an education background. Mm. So we decided to merge them together to create these resources Mm. um, where we would go and speak to actual practitioners Mm -hmm. and um, um, initiates of various African systems to Mm. get them to tell their story, what Mm. it actually means to them, Mm. as opposed to relying on what colonial missionaries have left because this is what still informs our understanding of African spirituality today. Mm -hmm. What foreign interpretations are of what Africans themselves do. Mm -hmm. Africans don't have their own voice. So we used ancestral voices to Mm -hmm. get them to tell us what exactly it is that they do. And we, we, we settled on ancestral voices because what we saw it as was that we are we're hearing the voices of our ancestors right. who haven't been given a voice. So right. okay. hence the term ancestral voices. Mm. Okay. I, I I came across um ancestral voices actually quite a while ago now. It was I wanna say it was my first or second year of uni. Okay. Um when you put out the first DVD, right? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> one thing I think one of the themes that reigned true from it was and something that you're trying to project was the idea that a lot of indigenous kind of uh, traditional spiritual systems mm-hmm. and belief systems, they have core similarities throughout them. That's right. Whether it be in Africa or Asia or mm-hmm. kind of Native American and et cetera. Um, with, with that kind of commonalities, mm-hmm. those commonalities existing, for you, what does that mean? Does that mean that that's probably closer to some inherent truth, the fact that it's, it's so similar and, different geographical locations or that's right what's what's your take on that yeah um it's a very poignant point you've identified there because that's exactly what it is um because what all these indigenous practices share is that they're all nature-centered so the way they view nature is very different to the western paradigm where Mm. nature is seen as something that man can conquer 
Mm. You know, it's 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 to the behest of man. Right. Whereas when you look at indigenous pra- uh, practices, mm. they rather see nature as being a living, yeah, mm. um, entity. Right. Um, mm. It has its own cycles. It has its own laws, mm. and these cycles and laws also pertain to us. Right. So I'll give you one of the simplest examples: um, the female's menstrual cycle mm. directly correlates with the phases of the moon. Mm. Yes. So what we might call man or humanity is not separate from nature. And if nature is your your focus in terms of how you understand this thing we call life or living, then you are bound to end up with core and overlapping similarities. Because right. yes, you will come to the same understandings. You mm-hmm. will be observing the same forces within nature. Mm-hmm. You'll be observing the same cycles mm-hmm. um, that Yes, we work in alignment with in nature. So mm-hmm. this is why we have such core similarities between all indigenous practices. Because mm-hmm. it's not a man-made dogma that you're living by. Everything you need to know, you can find by a certain observation of and attunement with mm-hmm. natural laws and cycles. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting because it's almost a perfect follow-on from what we were discussing in the last, last podcast with the importance of nature, um, man's relationship with nature, um, Basically, we what we were discussing was mm-hmm. that actually um, to maintain a good level of you know mental health and I guess physical health, mm-hmm. um, man has to be in nature. It's only relatively recently that um, you know humankind has become urbanized. You know, that's right. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was that was really really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a point I wanted to, <clears throat> I guess we talk firstly with the title of the DVD obviously being Ancestral Voices and mm. this reverence to the ancestors and me um, from a similar background being of Ghanaian heritage mm-hmm. um, despite the fact that and similarly I grew up Catholic um, there's always been somewhat of this reverence to our ancestors That's even right. despite the fact that we've taken on um, the religions mm-hmm. um, of Christianity and Islam in kind of the northern part of Ghana and similarly right. in the other parts of West Africa but mm-hmm. um with that at the same time is is coupled with this and you touched on it earlier but this kind of mistrust of anything that's seen as you know the whole term of anything that's not within the remit of kind of christianity being juju or mm-hmm. evil right. and um people kind of shying away from those things and mm-hmm. you see in the nollywood movies and you know, you touch a, a yam and you a turn, touch the, a well, coin, whatever, yeah. you turn into a yam, whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. The, 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 the point I was trying to, trying to raise is there's this inherent belief of like an interaction between what we deem as the natural world, things mm-hmm. that we can see um, kind of physically and things within, you know, that can be explained by science essentially. That's right. And um, anything that's beyond that as being supernatural. That's right. Um what is your take on what soup, what kind of relationship between natural and supernatural? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's some excellent points you've drawn out there and um, I'll do my best to try and remember all of them and see how best I can address them. But first of all, even putting the term of something being supernatural mm. in itself is not accurate because then what you do is you you start to create boxes. And if what you're basically saying is if this doesn't fit in the box, then it's something other than natural. You know, it, it the, the very term makes it exclusive in, in a certain sense, you know, because nature is everything. Yeah, we we need nature to live, you know, for us to eat, to survive. We eat from plants and foliage. It's not some invisible being in the sky who comes down and feeds us every day. 
nature is what sustains the human body. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and when we, you know, the term being when we die, we become nature. The body disintegrates into what we call the earth or the soil. So that is already one reflection for you that you, as much as we can see our physical body forms, we still are soil or the earth. Mm-hmm. And then scientists themselves will also confirm for you when you, you know, die, quote and unquote, there's about 25 grams of your body weight that they cannot account for. Yes, this is what you can, or you can term the word spirit. Because in the African conception, what we call the human being is made up of both the physical matter and what you might call the spiritual matter. Yes, Mm. and both are the same things because all things in existence are composed of energy. Mm. And the denser energy is, meaning it's not so um, dynamic or moves as quickly, you find solid forms. And where science might explain it as molecules moving quite rapidly and randomly, we have vapor or gas. Mm. Yes, it's immaterial. This is the aspect of your spirit. Okay, so Western science in itself, which we can define as empirical science, deals with things that it can only see, feel, touch. You know, it limits us to five senses, but there are more senses to the human experience than just those five. So all that um, Western science has done is it's projected its own limitations into the way it explains the way the world works. Hmm. So everything that it cannot account for automatically gets shut into this idea of it being supernatural rather than science admitting that it just doesn't know why. Mm. Yeah, so this is, this is and we can see even in the way society is organized because mm. we, we, they, they put us all into these boxes. You know, if you're Ghanaian, you're meant to have a certain temperament as opposed to a Nigerian. So in a sense, it's a way of humanity trying to find a way to um, control life. Mm. We're still afraid of the unknown. And once it falls in the, the, the region of unknown, um, unfortunately, rather than trying to make a concerted effort to understand why, we can easily rather demonize it, stigmatize mm. it, and mm-hmm. make it seem like it's something silly. Mm. Um, I'll give you one other example. Um, it's only recently that most academic scientific institutions have published research to show that when you walk on the earth, yes, barefoot, Hmm. There's an exchange of electrons and ions between the earth and your body, which is what gives you, as you mentioned earlier, Patrick, that um, mental health, the, should we say, harmonization of your mental health. Because you and the earth actually speak a language that is not this verbal language that we speak. Mm -hmm. There is a direct attunement between yourself and the earth. Mm-hmm. But then when we see pictures of Africans without shoes and whatnot, we default to say, oh, these people are poor. Look at them. They can't even afford shoes. But the very shoes we wear cut us off from a source of information and well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the notion of supernatural is, again, to put people's minds into boxes such that they cannot see the overall or picture, mm. how intricately we're connected to everything. Mm. Rather, it likes to compartmentalize. So, you know, yeah, I guess mm. it can um, act on it. Mm. That's yeah. really interesting. There's, yeah, there's so much in that. Like, um, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with this thing of us trying to um, rationalize and compartmentalize aspects of our lived experience mm-hmm. um, that we don't have the words or answers for just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that um, I've experienced personally in life is. Um, uh, I I think that dreams are 
there's something about dreams mm-hmm. that yes. uh, we as people, it doesn't matter how rational you are, I feel like you can't really explain. Mm. Firstly, you know, I mean, I've I mean, I've had dreams where I don't think they can, they can really be explained. Like they can't. The significance of that dream can't really be explained in a rational sense. I I've had dreams where what I've dreamt has been something that is basically prophetic. Mm-hmm. I've dreamt about something, and then that thing will be in my mind, and then the next day, like literally the next day, um, the thing that I dreamt about mm-hmm. will come will come to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's just one small example. I, right. One of my cousins actually he has he has dreams about really like random and mundane things mm-hmm. um, and it's not a deja vu because he will say oh I remember the day that I dreamt this this was like three weeks ago mm-hmm. we dreamt I dreamt exactly what this conversation that we're having right now mm-hmm. like word for word um, so yeah there's a lot of things that you know that happen in your in your day to day really and you just think like how on earth like yeah, it's I just it's weird. it's weird it's worth exploring that even further mm. it's what you talked about as kind of like as premonitions right mm, mm, I've had mm. the exact same experience and yeah. it, it's something that's even though this is years ago now but this is when I was a, a child essentially mm-hmm. in primary school and the significance of this is like psh, whatever but like for I'll, I, I'll give you the background story right so I I went to primary school right there were a pair of twins in my primary school mm-hmm. um, and they lived in Peckham I lived in Warford so like old Kent Road I used to get the bus so basically we, we get buses in different directions different parts of the, the town whatever but I had a dream for whatever reason that they were on my bus. One of them had an ice pole. You remember those like 20p ice poles? Mm, yep. Yeah. I remember, I remember one of them had a blue ice pole and they were on my bus for whatever reason. And they never ever get my bus. And then at least, I mean, a day or two days later, I'm at the bus stop and the exact scene from my dream is there in real life. I see the twins. One of them has the ice pole. Uh, they get on the bus and it's literally like I'm replaying that dream. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's probably no significance at all as far as how that's going to affect my life or right. some kind of mad impact. But I was like, mm-hmm. this is weird. And that's something that stuck with me. And I've never been able to explain why mm-hmm. that was or, you know, mm-hmm. what was occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's what's your kind of take on can, this? Can I just quickly say um, also the, mm-hmm. the thing with that is like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure for you guys, like whenever your parents talk about dreams, they will talk about them that they they hold significance, mm. right? Oh yeah. Um, my mum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like my parents, my grandparents. You know, I'm sure it's the same for you as well, Bilal. Mm. Um, so it's like they, we we definitely we we give value to whatever whatever it is we dream about, mm-hmm. but also it's like we we don't really attempt to like really understand why mm. they hold value. We just kind of feel like they do mm, you know mm, mm. yeah well you know it's um again this this um both what you've both described now goes back to what i mentioned about the human body being composed of the congealed energy which we can call your body and then there being an aspect of that which is your spirit and with that is that is, is immaterial it's like how, the how would you def- breathe how would you define spirit that's that's quite a, a, you know. well spirit is not one thing spirit are different aspects of what makes up your total you mm-hmm. yes there are aspects of your spirit that as you both accurately identified um does a job of helping you attain your 
divine destiny because there's a core concept in every African spiritual system that you take your body or you become born into the physical reality because you have a divine purpose that you have brought yourself here for. Mm -hmm. Yes? So... How it ties into the, the the dream is that, and your spirit is, so you have that one aspect of your spirit, yeah? Then there's also another aspect of your spirit that is known to travel into dreams because what, you know, in we've been made to understand dreams as just, if you look at the works of, let's say, Einstein or, eh, not Einstein, sorry, what's his name? Freud, um, Jung. They'll mm-hmm. tell you, well, Jung actually goes deeper because he did a lot of work with indigenous um, communities to try and get better understandings of it. But Freud would just attribute it to, oh, it's a reflection of your past memories mm-hmm. or something you've eaten. Has, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's way beyond that. Because in the African understanding, that this place you call your dream is an actual dimension that exists simultaneously as the physical one that you are aware of consciously. Yes? So as you said um, correctly yourself, in this dimension, there are, or there is another aspect of you that is also actively alive and engaging. So from your dream, as you said, it came from your mental space, because that's where we can say we're dreaming. And then you saw it in the physical space the very next day. So even if we look at things that we design, like um, a table, a car, a chair, whatever, first you see this image in your mind, yes? Before maybe we, we make the physical aspect of it. So... Did the chair exist only in the physical realm because you made it? Or is there a version of it that exists in this place you call your mind? Mm. And can your mind just be something that is intangible? Or does it is it also its own dimension that exists? Mm. Just as much as your physical one. I, yeah, it gets deep. But yeah. see, this is this is what tells us the amount of studying that we need to really explore these ideas. Mm. Mm. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because it feels like and I'm, I have no kind of background in physics or whatever, mm-hmm. but like I have friends that are natural scientists and within, I know physics, there is more and more research being done to show that potentially the idea of there being multiverses, so like multiple, univer- um, multiple universes yes. and potentially, um, like you said, like multiple realms of existence That's that right. are kind of existing. That's right. Um, Concurrently. Concurrently. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe it is in some way us kind of tapping into those you know, mm. um, other realities mm. in, in, in brief moments. Mm-hmm. I had a question. Um, so we're talking about um, African spirituality and obviously how important it is um, for us to at least not shun it as, as members of the diaspora. That's right. Um, these sort of philosophies and um, understandings of mm-hmm. the natural um, from an African spirituality perspective, would you say that it's just of relevance to people with uh, African, um, with, with an African background, mm-hmm. okay. or, or are these things that are accessible to, to anyone? Because one thing that um, I found really interesting when I when I was at uni, one one of the best books that I read um, was a novel by a Cuban writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's white Cuban, but he wrote about the Haitian Revolution mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how. Um, understanding nature and understanding mm-hmm. the environment for, for the um, the enslaved Africans yep. in Haiti, in Santo mm-hmm. Domingo, mm-hmm. that was um, basically a tool for them against mm-hmm. their their European oppressors, right? That's right, yep. Um, mm-hmm. Even though that wasn't their land, mm-hmm. it was closer to their land than it was for the Europeans. That's and because right. of that, 
they were able to bring about the revolution. Mm-hmm. There's lots yes. of people that talk about how, you know, it wasn't just something that was um, done by um, physical might, mm-hmm. but yeah, also spiritual might mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder then, that's why I'm asking this question. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the importance of um, really understanding African spirituality. Mm-hmm. But that is, is that something that is universal or is that something that applies just to people that have yeah. uh, African backgrounds? Well, you know, it's it's uh, there can be a simplistic answer and then there can be an in-depth answer. The simplistic one being, of course, it doesn't only apply to um, people whose current phenotype has a lot of melanin. So, mm. you know, you might be what we might call black mm-hmm. yeah, because you have this chemical that you have so much of it that it darkens your skin as a way of protecting you against the sun's rays. Mm. But as science also now finally proves, you know, we're not monkeys. We actually the, should we say, the original form from which all other human forms came about. Mm. So to a degree, everybody is African, you know. We, yeah, we can call ourselves all these other labels, but this is where the source of what we call homo erectus or what we call a human being now mm. comes from. Mm. So everybody has this transgenerational um, DNA that we still have. Um, and then going back to what, what you said, of course not, because, you know, the air that we breathe here, do we only find air in England? No. It's, it's, it's the same thing that keeps everybody else alive. Mm-hmm. So innately, we are of the same um, substance, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's that understanding of what this substance is mm-hmm. that changes the dynamics right. of how you live okay. and understand everything so you do. It's more about a willingness to accept mm-hmm. and study um, and truly understand this. Yes. Because um, I asked this question thinking back to that thing of, you know, the, the enslaved Africans mm-hmm. fighting against the European oppressors. Yeah. Why is it then that they were able to harness the power of nature and yes. the European slave masters were not? Mm-hmm. But I guess it's about actually embracing that yes. and mm-hmm. studying it and really understanding it. That's right. Um, rather than just sort of accepting the world as what we see physically. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because um, you see, even when you look at that 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 time in, um, if you want to call it Western history, mm-hmm. this is the Industrial Revolution where you had... Um, Theories like the human body is just a machine. It's mm. the same as the machines that human beings are creating. So there was a total cutoff, and it continues to today, from everything that is natural mm. or nature itself. This is where these ideas that man can dominate nature originate. Mm. Yes, mm. whereas the African has always understood that to exist, mm. you need nature. The mm. African and all these other indigenous um, communities, as Kweku mentioned, mm. from the Native America, we can even go as far as Siberia. Mm-hmm. Yes, because we exist because of nature mm-hmm. and not because we're here is why nature exists. Mm. Do you know what and, I mean? and, I, and I guess that kind of, um, the sort of Western tradition of seeing, of, of seeing existence as at the behest of nature, mm-hmm. i.e. nature is this thing that we kind of, we live around or we kind of build walls to mm-hmm. protect against. Yes. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, I, I guess you probably do, but that is why our existence, like our Western civilization is, you know, why we're damaging the environment. Of course. Mm-hmm. Like that's why we, um, you know, that's yeah. that's why the way that we, we we live our lives, our society is actually at the detriment of of our environment and of nature. A hundred percent. And also our very own detriment, which is why, you know, the West is supposedly the most developed area in the world, but we still also have these high incidents of suicides, mental health breakdown, people not feeling at ease with themselves. Yeah, so we have all these, whether it's psych, uh, psychopaths, serial killers, 
rapist, because the body has, its natural vibration is off. It's kept itself only in a, its own concrete made environment. And let's not forget the, what we call the Western civilization also has its own natural tradition, which the Romans made sure they totally destroyed, which is where the word pagan comes from. Yeah, so there was this fear of women in particular, because, you know, women, um, for those who know, have a certain high level of intuition that even, and we're talking about the gender here, mm-hmm. most male males cannot access. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this is primarily because it's the woman who carries the life and brings it out. Mm-hmm. Yes, so in the West too, there was... And is actually because the the pagans or the wickers, as they are known now, actively are also now organizing to give themselves recognition for what they do. Mm. So what we people might call pagans is actually just the Roman term for those who didn't want to accept Christianity when they brought it forth. Mm. And similarly, it's the same that happened in the Spanish Inquisition, mm. where you had the Catholic Church murdering, however, odd millions of, of people, mainly women, for being witches mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. sorcerers. All these other bits. So, yes, that cutting off from nature, we can trace as far back as um, the Roman times. Wow. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about other entities. Because, mm-hmm. again, with the African spiritual systems, a lot of reference to ancestors, then there's the idea that our ancestors, even though their bodies may kind of disintegrate, mm-hmm. there's an essence that remains and can interact with us. That's right. Um, can you just delve into that a little bit? Like the whole idea that, there's this another realm that we can mm-hmm. um, kind of interact with and why some people more so than others yes. have the ability to do that, for instance. Perfect, perfect. Now, excellent question, Kweku. No, of, of course. And just to even add to that, um, before I, I go forward and explain the concept of ancestors and ancestorhood, you know, because you made something uh, clearly um, a very good point whereby how we still continue to interact with them. Mm. Now, let's look at the way Western science now explains the same idea. I um, mean, this... Um, First, in about the 60s, this was called the memory of generations. This is what um, the advances in science called this phenomena. They called it the memory of generations. Now it's known under what we call um, epigenetics, which is this very idea. And Emory University, I believe it was in 2013, came up with the result findings where basically the statement was that the very you that you conceive yourself to be your phobias, your traits, your personalities, your talents, Mm -hmm. these are all the results of the information contained in the DNA of those who came before you. So you, the individual, you know, that we might call Kweku. Kweku is not just Kweku. Kweku is all the accumulation of millions of DNA Mm -hmm. that came before you. Mm -hmm. This is what makes you up. So you identifying as, okay, maybe I'm Kweku and I'm just this individual that was born in a sense, you can see a falsehood there because there's information that is at play that even you yourself are not necessarily true, aware it's of. It's very true. And, and I guess it, it harks back to why certain times you may be named after an ancestor because like, oh, you remind me of, you're That's like right. your grandfather or so you might be named after them because there's certain characteristics that you've inherited. That's, That's not right. environmentally impacted because obviously maybe you weren't around when they were when they died or whatever the case exactly, is. Exactly, exactly. Um, that's really, really interesting. Yeah. But you see, the way the African understands this and how it goes into the ancestorhood is the same idea. Mm-hmm. That the body is just the vessel that contains the, the essence of the person or 
the active information. So this active information is not just a physical component in your blood or DNA. It's also a part of your consciousness, what we might call your mind. And there are particular rituals and ways of working with nature that allows you to make a connection with that memory. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? So whereas someone in a, in a, might need a laboratory to come to the same conclusion, those who are actively working with nature, the same conclusion can also be had. Yes, because you're dealing with essentially the essence of things as opposed to the tangible elements only. Yeah, mm-hmm. And ancestors become very important because one of the conceptions of what we might call the creator or what we commonly call God in African philosophy is that the creator is your very first ancestor. Yes, because when we look at this, even in a, if you want to call it a rational level, you know, you yourself, you have a, a father and a mother. Mm-hmm. They also have a father and a mother. And then if we keep going back until whenever, B is ad infinitum, we will find the very source from which we all emanate. Yes? So that is our first source of coming into being. So this idea that um, the ancestors play such a role reflects directly on the fact that that's where you come from. So as a result, this source is also an ancestor. Mm -hmm. So whenever you're invoking, you know, the support of um, the forces that make up nature, you're also to a degree invoking your very self because you also are a force of nature. Mm. Hmm. It's it's very deep. It's very deep. Mm. You kind of bring across the argument that this is something that Africans and people of African descent need to start um, kind of I guess, engaging with more. Yes. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it is important that, you know, we need to start exploring this this relationship with our ancestors and yes. traditional um, systems? Be, be, uh, ultimately, because it has the potential to teach us more about ourselves than anything else can. Because what we might call African spirituality and its practices, at its core, the key concept within it is the development of good character. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, you know, in the Yoruba system is known as Iwapele. If you look in the Akan system, is known as Obrapa. Yeah, and this same thing is reflected in the Asian Africans who inhabited the area we call the Nile Valley, where they have this um, statement: "Man, know thyself," because existence becomes about mastery of self. And when you are engaging in these um, practices, as I said, where it can open your mind to, it takes you beyond just the physical. So you become aware of more things than you could ever become aware of if you weren't limiting yourself to just the physical. So it's also, it's important for your knowledge of self, for your self-confidence, for your understanding of the various things that happen to you on a daily basis. Mm. Because you will see these answers pop up in various symbolisms. You might wake up in the morning and you might see a particular bird when you walk out of your house. And you know exactly what message Seeing that bed, because it's not the bed. The bed becomes a symbology of a message you're meant to understand. Mm. And when you're living with these practices, as, as you see that bed, you realize this could actually have a, an importance for the way your life is, or your day rather, is going to pan out. Mm. And I'll bring an example back, going back into this idea of dreams, uh, because we touched upon that. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I was, when I got accepted into the Institute of Education, because yeah, this is why I did my teacher training, about two weeks before I went to this institution, um, well, I didn't know the institution was such a big deal. Turns out it is, apparently, is the world's um, best 
Institute for Social Research and Teaching. But I had a dream, yes? And in this dream, there were two people and myself standing on a very long cliff edge. And the task we'd been given was we had to jump from the edge of the cliff to the ground. And I kind of really don't like um, heights. So I was like, ah, well, this, I failed this because I can't do it. Even in the dream, I was getting like vertigo just looking down. Mm-hmm. But the two people in the dream was very significant because one was a Bangladeshi lady I was working with at the, t- at the time. And then the other was um, a friend of mine that I knew when I was yeah, like 11 in mm-hmm. my secondary school period. And this guy was very boasty, very talkative, you know, like to show off in that regard. So he was the first to go. He just ran to the edge of the cliff, jumped down. I was like, this is amazing. This guy's done it. I'm not doing this. <laughs> then the Bengali lady, there was um, on the edge of the cliff, there was like um, a tree branch that had protrud- it was protruding towards the cliff. So what she did is she jumped and grabbed onto that branch, then jumped onto another one and another one until she got down. So in the dream, I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to get down there. So I also followed her her steps Mm -hmm. and got down there. Now, when the day of the interview came, it was just me and two guys from Bangladesh. So first, when I had the dream, I I was like, okay, this dream has some significance. I'm not sure what yet exactly, but I know it's going to play out this week. So when I got to the interview and I saw the two of them, automatically I was like, okay, I know what this dream is saying now. So... The two Bangladeshi guys as well, there was one quite conservative, very kind of like mild-mannered. And there was this other one, very kind of shiny suit, uh, gray kind of silvery looking suit with a pink shirt. (laughs) As soon as I saw him, I was like, okay, so he's the representation of that childhood friend from the dream. Mm -hmm. And the other conservative one is the lady that I work with. So when we sat in the interview, the dream came to mind. It just says, let that guy always speak first. Yes. So every time they ask a question and he had that mannerism, he was quick to answer the question. But the problem is when you're always quick to jump into something, there's a lot that you leave out. Mm. So each question, I'll just let him go first. And then me and the other guy, his name was Aminu. Um, we would just basically fill in the gaps of what he left behind. So come September 2017, went to the institute, going to enroll. I only see Aminu. Mm. I don't see Mr. Flashy. <laughs> so the dream gave me the exact right instructions of what to do mm. for that interview. That's interesting, man. Yeah? So it becomes very, you see, I only understood it because these I've been involved in these practices since I was 18, mm. you know? And mine actually even didn't come from an initiation into it. It came from, again, a memory of my grandmother. Mm. You see, so I've always had that, I guess, slightly, it's not even evolved, just slightly expanded understanding of things. Because mm. I try and look at all the possible options, even instead of just saying, oh yeah, it's just a dream because I don't understand it. Why have I come to the interview? I didn't see a woman. Mm-hmm. I saw two men. Right. But in my dream, I had a woman and a man. Mm-hmm. This is why I said, you then start to understand the symbology of what you see. Because right. everything that you experience every day has a certain value. Mm-hmm. But you have to train your mind. And that training comes from the rituals and the time you spend in nature. Mm-hmm. It, it programs your mind a certain way mm-hmm. to notice particular things. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that whenever you have a dream, um, is every dream significant for you then? Uh, no, not necessarily. Okay. Um, some dreams 
are just, again, recollections of things that have happened. But then even then, perhaps if you look into that dream in mm. some depth, you will find a message there. Mm. And mm. what do, do you, because I know some people do this, they they keep a notepad by their bed so mm-hmm. that if they have a dream and they wake up, yes. they'll write down exactly what they dreamed about before they forget it. Do you do stuff like that? Or? Uh, I, I wish I was that organized to be able to, yeah. but... I unfortunately don't. However, Mm. I keep a journal for other experiences I see in the day. It's only within the last about four years Mm. that I've actively been keeping it. Some of my dreams now I don't actually get a chance to remember only because I'm involved in so much work. Mm. There's so much work in terms of the research we're doing that I'm having like three, four hour uh, nights of Mm. sleep for at least the last four years. Mm. So a majority of my dreams I forget, Mm. but there's a few that I remember. Mm. And those ones always go into the journal. So I mm. recommend the journal because yeah. the journal is even just sitting down at the end of the day mm. to recollect all the stuff that you've gone through mm. and writing them down mm. in expressing it, you come to see different meanings mm. in what maybe you thought was just a banal experience that you had earlier on that day. Mm. You find, oh, okay, all of a sudden, all oh, right, so this is why I've had this experience and that relates to that and that and that and you start just connecting the dots mm. yeah. yeah i wanted to look a bit at some of the perhaps darker sides of <laughs> this mm-hmm. topic yeah so Go um, on, there's no people that have talked about you know experiences with like ghosts or like yes um you know in, in different religions there's different names for it but mm-hmm. within islam for instance you have the jinns and yes you have these you know, demons within christianity and etc mm-hmm. and um again there's the idea that they can have physical impacts on your life they can manipulate you they can that's right essentially take over you and possess you and Mm -hmm. these different things um do you believe that do you like what's your kind of whole yeah i have an understanding of it um when when you kind of live or you're on this path you you do away with belief because belief comes with this understanding that you're not exactly sure of what you've experienced you you it brings you a gnosis you know why yeah, um, and yes, there are people who talk about um, being negative encounters. But you see, in an African spiritual perspective, you are the God you seek and you're also the devil that you can become. And all these things are based on the way you behave towards others and what you do. So perhaps if your experience is negative, it might likely be because somewhere within your heart of hearts, if, if you will, you kind of harbor negative intent. So you can only attract these type of negative experiences, yes? All natural forces um, in the African tradition come in a dichotomy. And this dichotomy is, again, related to what I said earlier about the human makeup. You're both body and spirit. Mm -hmm. In this sense, that force can also be used for what we might term evil or bad. Evil meaning it's not of use to other people or is detrimental to them and just only to your benefit, yes? Whereas the good becomes what you're doing that is assisting other people positively in your life. Mm. Yeah, So the, the negative experiences, it might only be because that's what you're attracting to yourself. Um, mm. Somewhere within what you're doing lies a thought that is not necessarily positive for others and you're manifesting that intent in the experiences you're having. Okay. Yeah. So to, to me, that kind of sounds like there is maybe the idea of jinns or evil spirits or whatever is yes. like a a way in which to teach a lesson as far as like how you should behave and mm-hmm. you don't want to attract negative or pos- um, negative things into your life. Yes. And these, I guess these negative things are kind of personified as spirits or of course. that kind of thing. Of That's course. interesting. But then there's things that can't be, still can't be explained to an mm-hmm. extent with like people saying that 
you know, I have a, I have a friend that moved into his flat with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and there was the whole idea that mm. they had a feeling that there was someone mm-hmm. that still lived there, like a ghost, okay. because there's like yeah. things will shake and move That's without right. any kind of yes. um, physical um, manipulation, like things yes. just just weird things that you can't mm-hmm. like, be explained, right? Yeah. And then he said how one time they burnt sage or something, and then okay, like yeah. it kind of like after that it kind of like do you know what I mean? Okay, that, yeah, and, yeah. And it's yeah. funny because his girlfriend. Um, she's she's like part Fijian, so uh-huh. they have that kind of tradition of right. like yes. interacting with spirits. And she's yes. had like even weirder stories that I've heard mm-hmm. about. Um, mm-hmm. So what's it? So it, that's kind of a deviation from the idea of it just being like kind of mythological stories to teach lessons and to pass on. Is like is there an actual physical like? Do you know what I mean? Aspect yeah, to it. yeah. Well, you know um, what they call jinns in Islam, and you might call angels or demons in Christianity. Um, in African tradition, it's not the same. But it's uh, what it, it alludes to is um, what you might call natural forces. Yes. So in um, the ancient Egyptian system, they were known as the Netes or the Netiru, meaning forces of nature. Um, in the Yoruba system, they are known as Orisha. This mm. is what most people uh, know them as, you know, uh, which is where Beyonce became famous with some yellow dress because they were saying that she was oh, calling out this yeah. energy of Oshun. Yeah. Oshun mm-hmm. is one of the energies within the Yoruba pantheon. Mm-hmm. And in the Akan, they are known as Abusum or Obusum. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Congolese kind of Bantu traditions, they are known as Inkisi or Minkisi. Mm-hmm. And what a force of nature actually is, where it differs from angels or the idea of jinns, is, is that these are forces within nature that we're in constant communication with and are even, most importantly, an aspect of us. Yeah, so I'll give you one, uh, one example. In there's um, the energy of the oceans, which they call Yemeja. Mm. Yeah? Now, when you think of Yemeja, you can think of it as a force just within the ocean. But then when you look at your body as a human being, your body is composed of at least 70% water. You're more water than you are the kind of physical component. So within you also is that force of nature. Yes, okay. um, they have this other force of nature called Shango, and Shango is meant to deal with thunder and lightning. But it's not a physical entity. This is what you might understand if you're not in the traditions, because what you come to realize, and this is what also, you know, almighty science shows us, what we call your thoughts are electrical impulses, the synapses of how information travels. So when you're an initiate into Shango, you come to understand that Shango represents many things, one being illumination, enlightenment. And when you look at the way um, lightning behaves when there's a storm, wherever lightning flashes, what do you get? You get broad light. So that idea of illumination is not only um, external to yourself, it's also a part of your makeup. Hmm. Yes? Hmm. So, you know, as you said with um, your your friends who had moved into this um, place and this energy being there, why do we only have to associate that that energy was first negative? You know, there, there, there must be a reason why that energy still finds itself there. And perhaps they, 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 they might actually be lucky, just burning sage and then energy just gone. That's quite interesting. But as you said, because maybe the girl is Fijian, she has more of an understanding. So, yeah, in burning the sage, you can um, repel certain energies or you can maybe, you're just calming them so mm-hmm. that it's not um, such a, a cause for concern or a cause for fear. Because maybe the energy is not there to harm you. Mm. It's it's been waiting for them to come to release it mm. by that burning of the sage. So mm. this is why I said about when you're living and working in the traditions, mm. where your mind goes in terms of how you ex, um, experience and understand the exp- experiences you have is not just one 
explanation. Mm. That's 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 very narrow. Mm. You you start to understand the whole range of mm. why things can happen. This is so interesting. I was um when you were talking about this um and like this idea that you know the spirit doesn't or whatever that entity was in there doesn't necessarily have to be malevolent. Yeah, it got me thinking about um. Something that I was talking about yesterday on Twitter um, and also what we've talked about today with us kind of being at odds with with nature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And often, um, like you see this day to day, like politically, we, we talk about, um, you know, um, other communities being in this country, for example, and our lack of understanding or our ignorance about them mm-hmm. means that we are our first, our first port of call is to be combative or is to be like, okay, these people are at odds with us mm. without making an attempt to understand it. Because that's that's what human beings have a tendency to do. At least mm-hmm. that's what we have a tendency to do. Um, but one thing I was talking about yesterday on Twitter was how we automatically assume, um, for example, wild animals, right? We think that wild animals are constantly out to fight us and attack mm-hmm. us and whatever else. Yeah. There, was this, there was this video of this um, wild leopard, right? leopard in running around in India yeah. and the leopard was attacking people, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look closely at the video, if you look at it twice, three times, mm-hmm. you'll see that the leopard, yes, it did attack people, but only in a way to su- suggest keep your space. Yes, uh huh. Yes. Like basically, I'm drawing a line here. Yeah. I'm protecting myself. Because mm-hmm. um, the leopard could have easily t- torn these people apart. He jumped on three people, but all it really did was push them to the ground oh, wow. and wrestled them a little bit, but uh-huh. caused no yeah, proper physical harm. So yeah. as human beings, um, I find that we often. Things that we don't understand, our first thing to do is to be like, okay, let's fight this thing. Let's mm-hmm. let's be compatible instead of trying to understand it. Because um, mm-hmm. when I was talking about this leopard, it reminded me of um, a conversation that I had with this um, con- conservationist that worked in the Amazon rainforest. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about one, he used to walk a lot through this rainforest, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, he'll never forget, um, there was one time when he was walking, was walking for a good two hours, a long way through the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he turned around to go back, to where he came from, he'd noticed that he'd been followed by a jaguar. He had jaguar tracks following him all this way, wow. mm, right? Yeah. But the jaguar didn't touch him, didn't uh-huh. bother him. Uh-huh. Um, but what he was saying was a lot of the time we project malevolent tendencies onto things that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And in this case with the jaguar, it was like this animal was just curious. He'd mm-hmm. never see, probably never seen a human before mm-hmm. and he was just following him through the forest. Um, but I think it's very interesting how all of these things kind of come together in this thing of how human beings, we have a tendency to be at odds with nature yeah. mm-hmm. um, instead of actually trying to engage with it in a way that isn't combative, mm-hmm. just trying to, to, to humble ourselves and yeah. understand that it's not about us. Mm-hmm. If we look at how big the universe is, we look at how big planet Earth is. Mm-hmm. We are a speck. Yeah. And I think we have a tendency to put ourselves at the top of mm-hmm. this, whatever hierarchy we think there is. Mm-hmm. But really, it's not about us. Yeah, it's huge and arrogance. It, right? And it's so, Im- it's so important for us to humble ourselves and actually yeah. try and be students and, exactly. try, and try to understand before exactly. we actually fight. Mm-hmm. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Mm-hmm. I just thought that what you were talking about, was, that just kind of sparked that. Yeah. that yeah. Yeah. But it's very interesting because the, the last... Um, chat we had on the podcast obviously we're talking about nature and again it's like this thing of humans being at odds with nature yeah. and that's mm. something that we really need to I yeah. feel um, we really need to address oh yeah, yeah no 100% and everything you said is so beautiful because it brings up the fact well at the bottom line is what you said we're not living in accord with nature mm. you know because if we trace it back to and all this stems from that industrial era where you know because we got this inkling to be able to create these big machines mm. all of a sudden we thought we're all powerful mm. but let's look at this tsunami that however many years ago look yeah. at Japan Japan is 
presumably the most technologically advanced nation on earth. Yeah. It took one big wave and uh, it mashed down the whole town. Mm. So we are not as powerful as we would like to believe. Mm. And exactly what you've said, that we need to learn to be humble, to want to live in accordance mm. as opposed to being the master of nature, because we can't. Mm. And another thing that's equally important and very essential in the traditions is the thoughts mm. that we carry. You know, I just mentioned the issue of Shango, mm. that your thoughts are not just recollection of things. Your thoughts are energy. And you can, with your intent, manifest things from your thoughts. Mm. Yeah, And this is what most people like to call juju or obia or evil, because most people in the traditions are aware that these are not just recollections, mm. this is energy, this mm. is power, mm. and you can use it in so many different ways, mm. whether positive or negative, entirely mm. up to the individual. I think that's a really, really good place for us to, to wrap up on. Mm -hmm. um, wow, such an amazing it's been great, conversation. Man. Really man. Like, good. I've learned a lot. And yeah, I think yeah. the kind of takeaway for me was, um, yeah, not being so quick to have a negative kind of um, thought on things that I don't understand and right. being open to um, different kind of explanations of, of why things exist and mm -hmm. and yeah maybe trying to tap in again as Patrick kind of made made um, relevant the whole idea of um, trying to reconnect with nature mm -hmm. and, and the aspect of us that we do tend to let slip away right. um, as we're wrapping up Dalian, maybe if you could just quickly plug your, your socials or where people can find you yes yes um, you know the, the work that we've done is very Ex, uh, has expanded a lot now. So the main place for people to find out about our work is to go to our website, which is www.ancestralvoices.co.uk. And there, you, you know, you can read free articles from our research. You can have access to our books, our films, as well as the online courses that we deliver. So that's www.ancestralvoices.co.uk. Wicked. And as always, um, if you guys want to continue the conversation, it'd be lovely to hear what you guys have to think about some of the topics we covered. Um, emails, otbpodcastuk at gmail.com. Um, social media hit us up on Twitter Instagram OTB Podcast UK um, and yeah over and out thank you for joining us so thank you Daniel for joining us it's been a pleasure thank you too for having me man thank, thank you so much. much take care guys All right.